Welcome to Finally Fearless, a podcast devoted to uncovering everything you never knew you needed to know when it comes down to your health and wellness. My name is Dr. Melissa Chofi, a physical therapist specializing in pelvic health. After working in traditional healthcare for four years, I grew disenchanted with the gimmicks and the garbage, scare tactics and scarcity mindset, and all the things that were being pushed on people to make them fear their bodies instead of actually using them to live the lives that they so deserve. This podcast will give you all the tools to demand a life worth living instead of sitting your best days out on the sidelines. We get really raw around here, so grab your headphones and let's jump right into today's episode. I'm so excited to announce that the next Finally Floored cohort is open for business. Finally Floored is my group virtual fitness program. It's 12 weeks long. We do total body conditioning. It starts with the basics of working your core and pelvic floor and builds outward to give you an all-encompassing, literal, total body program that hits everything. We hit stability, mobility, strength, endurance. I forgot the last one. (laughs) We do it all inside. We have three workouts a week and me available for questions throughout the duration of the program. It's not your mama's workout program. We don't do all the gentle mommy moves in here. We're actually doing hard shit while also meeting your body where it's at to get you to where you want to be. I'm going to drop more information in the show notes, so check out the program. Doors are open for signups through January 29th, and we start together officially on February 5th. I hope to see you in there with me. And if a 12-week program does not sound like your jam right now, but you still want to learn the basics of working your core and pelvic floor efficiently and well, I have turned Beyond Kegels, the workshop, into a mini course. This is done on your own time. You have full access to the course for a lifetime. It's 30% off through January 29th. Just use the coupon code KEGEL30. That's K-E-G-E-L 30 through January 29th. I'll drop that in the show notes as well. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to preface it by saying it might seem like this episode is only for people who are consistent with their workouts and they've been working out for a long time, but it's actually applying to everyone who's ever worked out in their life. And even if you're a newbie, and you're, but you're jumping into an exercise program or an exercise routine or you have in the past and you're like, this isn't working, I'm done. This applies to all of you. So if you've ever worked out before and you've ever felt like you're putting in all this effort, but you're not getting stronger, this, ex- this exercise, this podcast episode is for you because these are things that I see all the time in my practice that I don't think are very much so realized and I just want to bring attention and awareness to them because it actually might help make your workouts and your exercise more efficient and make you feel less like you're wasting your time doing anything. Back when I was a baby PT, so I was very, very new to physical therapy, anytime 
a new client would come in for an evaluation and I learned that they were like this avid exerciser and they have all this experience exercising and they do all the things, weightlifting, running, Pilates, whatever. I would literally want to shit myself because I'm like, how the hell am I going to teach this person how to work out? How am I going to teach them to exercise? And it was just like, it was so it made me so anxious because I felt like I wasn't helping them and I got very overwhelmed and I will be the first to admit I was probably not the best person to be um, seeing these people because I didn't know any better. I was brand new and I was still under the guise that if you're working out, then you know all the things and you're so great at everything and you're so strong and you're so resilient and you're so flexible and there's nothing to be taught. And then as I matured in my physical therapy career and I started seeing more people and I started seeing or started thinking about exercise in a different way, I guess you could say, my practice changed and the way I practice changed so much. So before I became a physical therapist, I was a certified personal trainer and I, sorry, if... uh, if that reverbed, I just smacked the microphone. But um, I, I'm not speaking for all personal trainers, but when I was a certified personal trainer, I didn't know any better. I didn't know what to look for. When I worked out, I had what I call the out-of-body experience where I literally checked out for the 45 to hour long, 45 minutes to hour long session. I have no idea what happened. I felt like I time traveled because I was like not in my body or my mind at all. And I just did things to get it over with. I went through the motions and I'm not speaking for everyone, but I do feel that a lot of people who work out or exercise, they also have a similar experience where you go to the gym or you pop on a workout and you're like, let me just get it over with and let me just do the thing and then you're done and then you're like, okay, I'm so accomplished, I'm done. And It goes beyond that. Like it goes so much deeper than that because there's so much to be aware of that we're not. And this episode is not meant to fear monger. It's not, I don't want you to feel like you have to have someone watching you all the time or checking in with you. But I do want you to use it as a guide for when you are doing your workouts and you're like, oh, maybe what Mel said applies here. Let me try it a different way. Um, That's kind of how I want you to use this episode. So I don't want you to be scared of moving and using your body. I just want you to be a little bit more informed of what is going on when you're doing so. And I just interrupted my own thought. So when I started getting more comfortable in my identity as a physical therapist and I started actually using my brain, I was like, wait a minute. Okay, so Mary does Pilates all the time but she feels, I don't know, she feels like her abs are never getting stronger. Let me watch her do some stuff. And I started, it sounds so dumb, like why didn't I think of this? But once I started watching people work out and doing things that they quote did all the time, I was like, holy fucking shit. Like there's a lot that we can work on here. And again, like it's not, it doesn't mean that like Mary was going to spontaneously combust if she kept doing this thing, these these things in Pilates. It just meant that we could tweak things a little bit, make her more aware of what's happening, make her workouts more efficient instead of 
what feels like a waste of an hour of your life three days a week. You know what I mean? So once I started doing that, I was like, oh my God, why is nobody ever taught how to approach exercise like this? This is mind blowing. So um, I actually, I'm no longer scared of treating a quote seasoned per workout person <laughs> or like an athlete. And my proudest moment was when I had a bodybuilder and I tweaked his program. Um, I wasn't a lifting coach or anything, but I tweaked his program to accommodate his neck pain and it felt a thousand times better. And he was able to complete his lifts without wanting to scream in agony for 10 days after a meet. So that was awesome. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to throw that in there. But these are the things that I kind of started paying attention to and things that I want you to note and reasons why or the top most common, the four most common reasons why people are not getting stronger with their workouts that I see in my practice. The first one I feel is the biggest one and the thing that I zone in on right away with private clients and these are compensations. And if you've been hanging out with me for a while, you know that I don't really operate from a sense of having absolutes, especially in regard to training and exercise. But these are things that I advise people are red flags when they're doing an exercise or a workout program and probably means they're attempting a move they're not ready for yet. And we need to modify. We need to dial it back. And the first one is holding your breath, holding your breath with anything. And I know like the bodybuilders do it and the powerlifters do it, whatever. But I also, you have to train your core, your deep core to accommodate a heavy load, regardless of how much weight you're lifting, regardless of what the move looks like, how much of the range of motion you're going through, your deep core needs to be trained to accommodate load and movement. And if we're not training it like that, oftentimes, then this could lead to compensations down the line. It could lead to an actual core weakness down the line, pelvic floor weakness, pressure, prolapse, leaking, whatever. Like we don't want any of that. So holding your breath is not the best idea. You're probably attempting something you're not ready for yet. Typically, we want to exhale on exertion. So for example, if you're lifting something, you're going to exhale when you lift the item. So pay attention to that. And if you can't control your breath, you are probably attempting something that is too advanced for you. And why is holding your breath so bad? Well, I wouldn't, I don't want to say bad. Why is holding your breath during exercise and activity not ideal one of the reasons is if you think about your your torso or like your core as a canister, we call it the core canister. Your diaphragm sits at the top, your pelvic floor is at the bottom, and on the front and the back, we have your abs and your back muscles respectively. When you're holding your breath, this the actual breath holding and that breath that's in that core canister, that's what's giving you stability which sounds awesome because you're like, I don't have to do shit and I have so much stability in my core. But it's kind of like a catch-22 because your body's getting stability from that sense of breath holding instead of those four deep core, I call them the core four, 
instead of those core four muscle groups that should be doing that stability work for you. And over time, this is where we could see weaknesses happen and all of that stuff. And then just like compensations when your deep core isn't getting pulled into the conversation when it should be. And on top of all that, holding your breath push, puts a lot of pressure down on your pelvic floor that your pelvic floor has to accommodate. And remember, like if your pelvic floor needs to be involved in that stability conversation and it's not because the breath holding is that that pressure is doing the work for your core, over time your pelvic floor might weaken because of it. And then if that pelvic floor is called upon to support your organs, but there's so much pressure coming down on them that it's having a difficult time accommodating that pressure, this is where we could see things like pelvic organ prolapse happen, which is literally one of your organs coming, it feels like it's coming out through your vagina or your anus. That's not a good time. We want to prevent that. So stop holding your breath. So holding your breath is a big, big compensation. And again, I don't mean to fear monger when I talk about this, but I know my shit and this could potentially lead to issues down the line like leaking, like prolapse and all of that. So we want to make sure we're getting efficient use of our entire bodies when we're doing hard shit because that is what will ensure that it, our bodies work for us now and in the future instead of feeling like it's working against us, okay? The second red flag that I see all the time is pooching or doming of your belly. So it's like your belly is literally sticking out <laughs> um, and it looks like a dome instead of pulling I call it up and in. So instead of your belly getting um, flatter, it's actually going the opposite way and doming out. This is something I look for a lot in clients who are leaking and clients who have diastasis recti who cannot create good amounts of tension in their deep core. I'm looking to see if those deep ab muscles are able to generate tension and able to activate when I'm calling upon them to activate, or are they compensating somehow by doming like that? So like when your belly's pushing out, yeah, it feels hard, but your abs are not engaged. They're actually, this is another thing that could put a lot of pressure on your pelvic floor and your abs are not helping to accommodate that. Your abs and your pelvic floor should be working together. And if they're not, this is where we can see compensations and possibly issues happening down the line like leaking, like prolapse, and all of that. So doming is the other one. I feel like doming is partly the reason why planks get such a bad rep, especially in postpartum people. Because in a plank, so you're essentially like your belly's facing the ground, right? So your deep core has to work against gravity pretty well. And if your deep core is not the best at generating tension and it's used to compensations creeping in, then you might have this doming effect. And then that could potentially, you know, not be the best for your core and pelvic floor. So again, like I'm just throwing this in there too. There's no such thing as a bad exercise, just bad exercise execution. And planks are one of those things that get demonized for postpartum people. And there's nothing wrong with them, especially if you're doing them well. And there's always a way to work up towards doing them. Sometimes we have to start at the very, very basics and then build up instead of jumping right into it, even though you were able to do them like six weeks, eight weeks, a year ago, okay? Um, what's another one? So we have holding our breath, we have doming, 
bearing down, I touched on briefly, but bearing down is when you're pushing as if you're having a bowel movement. So you might, or like if you're pushing, it feels like when you're getting the last drips of pee out and you're pushing to do that or pushing your pee out to force the stream to come faster. Side note, please don't do that. It puts too much pressure on your pelvic floor and is not good. But um, sometimes this could be accompanied by the belly doming, but not always. And pushing, bearing down, also puts a lot of pressure on your pelvic floor. So if your pelvic floor is not on the stronger side, um, this could also lead to things like leaking and prolapse and stuff like that and a pelvic floor weakness. So any sense of pushing, we just don't like we don't want that in our workouts. The only time you should be pushing is when you're trying to poop. And again, there are methods to pushing when you're pooping, but that's the only time that you should be pushing. Oh, and if you're giving a vaginal delivery too. But again, there's also methods to push with vaginal delivery. And we're not just holding our breath, pushing and bearing down and turning purple and veins popping out. Like that should never happen either when you're pooping or giving birth. None of that. Um, I think I got, did I get, I think those were like the main, the three main ones. So if any of those are coming up, you're attempting a move that's not right for you and you probably might need some core and ab support and learn how to reconnect with those parts of your body. Another one, I'm going to give this one a yellow flag because it doesn't mean that something's wrong. It doesn't mean that you're going to get hurt or injured. But when I'm training like a private client and I'm working on her gluteus medius, okay, so the um, your, your butt muscle, like one of your butt muscles, I'm looking to see if your knee comes down and in with things like squats and single leg movements and balance activities. Again, like it's not a bad thing if it does, but if your knee is coming down and in over your big toe, we call this medial collapse, it's not the way I want to train you for the purposes of what I'm training your glutes to do. So what I'm looking for is your knee coming over around like the third toe, so that it's a little bit more aligned when you're coming down into a squat or you're coming down into a lunge or you're doing a single leg squat or something like that. Again, it's a, I call it a yellow flag because depending on what you're training and the purpose of your training, it's not always a negative thing to have that knee coming in, but sometimes it's not, it's not getting the most efficacy out of the move if you're trying to train something like um, your gluteus medius. The second reason why you might not be getting stronger ha- could have something to do with your exercise frequency. So on what we have two ends of this spectrum. So the first end of the spectrum is changing your workouts up too often in a given amount of of time. So I know that a lot of like off the shelf conventional workouts sell this great idea like, oh, you do a different workout every day for 30 days and you're not bored and it's so great because it's muscle confusion and it's getting you stronger and blah, blah, blah. And A, there's no such thing as muscle confusion. Your muscles don't need to be confused. And B, it's not giving you any practice solidifying movement patterns into your nervous system. So quick, quick science lesson. Your brain 
is part of your nervous system. Your spinal cord is part of your nervous system. Your brain sends signals down your spinal cord, out to your arms, out to your legs, out to every moving part of your body and gets feedback and gives feedback to those areas. So when you're learning a new movement pattern, say like you've never lunged before or you never knew how to do it correctly, your brain needs to learn that movement pattern and solidify it into its movement blueprint. I call it the brain body blueprint. And if we're not practicing those moves, this is where we might be like, I'm so bad at lunges, I can't do them. Because you never gave time to practice them. You were never given time to practice them and you were never, you probably never met where you're at in order to progress to where you want to be. But that's another story for another day. Right now we're talking about frequency, but you need like everything else. You need to practice movement. If you're doing all these crazy moves and like just for the sake of like the workout itself looking sexy and this is going to bust your workout boredom, it's probably not going to get you much stronger if you're not practicing movement. And by all means, like if your only goal is to just get your body going and move, dude, like do you, I encourage that. I like it. I'm saying from a building a strength perspective, if that's your goal is to get stronger, you're not going to do that by switching up your moves every single day. So one of the things that we or I, I employ in Finally Floored is we do have a lot of practice. So yes, your workouts change but they don't change very frequently and we change elements outside of the actual movement to help progress you, okay? And that probably doesn't make sense. (laughs) So for example, like if we're doing lunges, we're doing a lunge and you're like, oh, this this is great. Maybe in two weeks you're doing that lunge with a heavier weight. So we change an element of the movement pattern But we're basically practicing that movement pattern to solidify it as being in your like ingrained in your nervous system and ingrained in your blueprint and how your body should move. We don't want to change it up too frequently because then your nervous system doesn't recognize that. So if you have to lunge down to pick something up, it's like, oh my God, what is this? Tell Mel her back hurts. And then I think that lunging is bad for me because my back hurts because I'm attempting a move quickly without thinking and something that I haven't practiced. So you want to give adequate practice. The other end of that coin is that when we are training our bodies, when we're strengthening our bodies, there are two elements we need to look at. So everybody thinks about strengthening as strengthening your muscles, your joints, your ligaments, which is very true. Like that's one of our goals. The goal that nobody talks about is we also need to build strength in our nervous system. So your nervous system gains strength first before a muscle group does. This is why if you're jumping into a new workout program and say you're doing a bicep curl with five pounds and you're like, okay, that was cool. And then like two weeks from now you're doing bicep curls and you're like, oh man, I could really go to 10 pounds this week. Your muscles didn't get stronger. Your nervous system did. Your nervous system knows that movement pattern. It could handle a little bit more of a challenge. So your nervous system, your well, I should say your muscle strength kicks in around weeks four to six of training. And we want to hit both 
nervous system and muscular strength so that we're hitting everything, every possible structure, every possible system to build resilience. And in Finally Floored, I do this. Um, This is why the strengthening piece is six weeks long because I want to make sure we're hitting both that nervous system and the musculoskeletal system to wrap it up with a nice big bow and ship you off in your nice little (laughs) resilient body package. Um, But nobody talks about this stuff. And that is super, super critical into doing similar movement patterns or even the same movement pattern, but in different ways so that you're not confusing your body so much that it's like what the hell am I doing right like we want to practice that being said we don't want to do the same shit day after day for weeks on end and this is why a lot of traditional physical therapy clinics people will be like I'm not making progress I'm not getting stronger and for a slew of reasons it's because their programs have not been progressed for like three weeks four weeks six weeks two months like it's insane so on one side we don't want to change things up too often but on the flip side we want to change things up to progress you so we want to meet your nervous system where it's at we want to meet your musculoskeletal system where it's at and sometimes this can look like say week one you're lunging with no weights right you just want to get your balance down you want to get the movement pattern down and then next week when you try your lunges, you're like, I think I could go up to holding five pounds. And now you're holding five pounds. So you're doing the same move essentially, but you're adding a progression by adding a weight, right? So see how we can tweak it. Another way is like if you're doing squats, say you're doing like a wall squat. So you have a ball behind you or just the wall behind you and you use, you're using the wall as assistance to get you down into the squat. Cool. You're like, oh, I can up the ante next week. So we take you off the wall and you do it standing, like freestanding. Do you see how we can like, we can manipulate things, but also, so we're causing enough disturbance to status quo, but we're also not causing too much to throw it off, right? And then once we do that, then maybe we can move on to the next thing. And then we could be like, okay, well, maybe instead of, a a static squat maybe we can do it into a dynamic squat where you're squatting to the side as you're moving you know what I mean so like there's a million ways to do this but people aren't progressed appropriately and this is why they feel like they might not be getting stronger and that last um tangent well I guess it's not really a tangent that last rant that I went on (laughs) about like adding different elements to your workouts This actually bleeds into point number three of why you might not feel like you're getting stronger is because you're not challenging where you're at with any kind of progression. So if you do feel like you you feel like your body is performing well, you're not compensating, you're like, I could really take this to the next level. If you're not doing that, then you will stall in your strength progression. Um, and feeling stronger. We want to have an adequate level of progression. So we want a good level of difficulty, but it shouldn't be impossible to the point where any of those compensations are creeping up 
nothing should be painful. You might feel a little sore this soreness the next day, but nothing should be debilitatingly painful. Um, you shouldn't be losing sleep, all of that stuff. Like it shouldn't interfere with your life, but we do want there to be some element of challenge. It might feel uncomfortable. There's a difference between pain and discomfort. If it's kind of like, this is not my favorite thing to do, but I can do it. It feels okay. Like it's difficult, but I can do it. I can get through it. I'm not hurting. That's kind of where we want to be when we're challenging our strength. So I will be upfront and tell you right now, I do not like being uncomfortable. I do not like when things are thrown in my face that I can't do them because I'm not strong enough. I'm actually doing, I'm in the middle of a workout program now where one of the things they're training is the ability to do a pull-up. I am not at that level yet. I am doing assisted pull-ups on the squat rack. And let me tell you, when it comes time in the program for pull-ups and I see them programmed, I'm like, fuck my life because it's thrown in my face how I cannot do them and I'm not the best at them. The program calls for like 13 or 14, I think, um, reps, and I'm at six. So (laughs) I don't know if that's helpful or like helps you feel a little bit more at ease with where you're at in your your workouts, but that's where I'm at. So we're all a work in progress. And that's just a side note. I don't even know why I mentioned that. Oh yeah, because I hate feeling like I can't do something. But it should be uncomfortable. It should be challenging you. It shouldn't be something that you can do with your eyes closed. So like one of the things that drives me insane when I like... I see people at the gym and again, like if just moving is your goal, awesome. But if you're trying to build cardiovascular strength or muscular strength or what have you, if you're pedaling on the elliptical reading a book and you're just like zoned out and you're going, you're like barely even breaking a sweat, it's probably not going to do anything for your cardio capacity or your endurance because you're not pushing yourself. If movement is solely your goal, awesome. But if it's anything else, if you want to gain flexibility, strength, endurance, resilience, you need to push yourself. Um, So yeah, so challenging levels and progressions, that is definitely a reason why you might not be getting stronger just because you're lifting. So like another thing I see is like, oh, do you strength train? Like I'll ask a new client, do you strength train? And they'll be like, yeah, I work out with my dumbbells over there and I'm like, oh, can I see them? And she shows them to me and they're like one to three pounds, which if that's challenging for you, awesome. But when you're banging out bicep curls with three pounds and you're like, I could sit here and curl all day, that's not strength training. There's no element of challenge or or um discomfort, for lack of a better word, you're kind of just going through the motions, the out-of-body experience we talked about, right? So um, we want to be really mindful of all of that. And the last reason why you might not be getting stronger, and I don't care what you look like, I don't care what the pant size, what your pant size is, I don't care how much you weigh. This is a question I ask all of my clients frequently. Are you eating enough? If you're not eating enough, if you're not eating protein and supplementing your body with protein. And by supplementing, I don't mean buying protein powder. I mean like actually eating from protein sources. 
if you're not eating enough, your muscles are not able to rebuild. They're not getting good nutrition. When we do things that are difficult for our bodies, like working out, like strength training, resistance training, whatever, our body, our muscles break down, which sounds bad, but it's not. It's a physiological process, and then they rebuild themselves, and that's what we, we need to support that. So hydrating well, eating well, eating enough, those are the big things. So if you're under eating your muscles will not get the nutrition that they need in order to do the things that you're asking them to do. And we could see this as, um, I don't want to say a plateau, but like this could be why you feel like you're spinning your wheels and not getting any stronger from the workouts that you're doing. So that's what I got for you today. This is something I felt like it was like an aha moment when I I put all of this together throughout my career. So, oh my God, eight years. I'll be a PT for eight years this year. That's crazy. But throughout the course of my career, I've put all of these building blocks together and I'm like, holy shit, I wish that I had like thought about this when I was a newbie, but I was so freaking anxious about helping people and getting them better that I sometimes I don't think logically when urgency and anxiety creep in, but here we are. Um, but I learned from my mistakes. So this is, um, yeah, this topic is near and dear to my heart because like I said, I am a movement professional. My one goal, my personal goal, my professional goal is to get more people comfortable moving and using their bodies in ways that they've never done before and actually enjoy the process. So you might not enjoy the actual act of working out. I will be fully transparent. I actually had a conversation with a client two weeks ago about this exact topic. I hate working out. I hate the process, the event of working out. I don't like to sweat. I don't like to wake up early. I don't like to be uncomfortable. But I do like what working out affords me. So that's what propels me into the next workout. And sometimes I need to coax myself into actually doing a workout because like I said, I don't like the process of working out, but I like the reward of having worked out. So I hope that's helpful. I hope you learned some stuff today. Any questions, my contact information is below. Please reach out to me. And um, that's what I got. I hope you learned some stuff and you can take it into your next workout with you. Your body is way more resilient and stronger than you might be giving it credit for. So hopefully this helps it get even more resilient and stronger. Thank you so much for hanging out with me in this corner of the podcast world. And I'll see you on the next episode of Finally Fearless. Like we do it, like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.